that that when they're work for you. Jeff, you got to stop beating yourself up. We appreciate you. We're all really grateful for you and your wife back there, Kelly. So thank you. I'm a little goofy, though. Well, we all have our days. So Jeff's right about your singing. The church experts say that you can tell the health of a church by how it sounds during worship, and you all were really sounding good. I want to say the 8.30 was too, and so was the 10 o'clock. Man, they're singing. That's a good sign. Good sign. Well, I think that some of you were here last week. I talked about being a God-fearer, and this week I want to talk about being a people of peace, a people of peace. I want to invite you, if you find, have your copy of God's Word, your Bible, if you would, and you don't have a Bible, you have an electronic device, you can go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Just so you know, a great number of the letters and books in the New Testament are all directed towards the church. Church growth, church behavior, actions, how the church functions. It's very, very important. If Whenever I preach, I always want to preach about the church because I do love the church for what it's done for me in my life. I believe in the church, and I believe that the church is so ever so important now in this day and age. So you found Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 7. I'm roping myself again. I want to talk a little bit about this story I heard. Billy Graham, by the way, I like Billy Graham personally. I like to listen to him. I, I got serious radio. Don't ask me to spell that. It's spelled weird. In my car, in my truck. And 460 is a Billy Graham channel, and I just love listening to him. I just want to let loose and preach like him sometime. But I'm Mark Zimmerman. He's Billy Graham. Too bad for him. So, <clears throat> but anyway, I, I really do. I like Billy Graham. But this is a story that he tells that he used to go to church. He would attend church with his parents. And as a teenager, he thought church was terribly boring. Brock, you're a teenager now, right? Just terribly boring. Well, Billy Graham actually got invited to a tent revival, and he was saved at a tent revival. And he went back, just a little while later after that, he went back to church with his mama and his dad. And after church was over, he said, Mom, that preacher's really changed. <laughs> and she said, No, Billy, you've changed. And it is true, isn't it, that Jesus changes me. Oh, He changes us. And the calling for us is to represent Him. The church represents Him as people that now have peace with God. The Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The Bible also says that if you're friends with the world, you're at enmity with God. That means at war with Him. So either you're... Thank you very much. So you got your Bibles over here. The title of this message today is A People of Peace. I want to tell you the good news, friends, in this world of the frantic, frenetic, fearful world, right? Frantic, frenetic, fearful. It's everywhere. A couple of years, about a year and a half ago, I was asking, I had an opportunity to ask a county deputy. I live in Christian County, Buffalo, land of Buffalo, remember him? Thank goodness he's no longer around. <laughs> but I had a chance to talk to the deputy sheriff and a couple of paramedics. And I had a question for them because I had been noticing something as I 
would be just on the roads or at the come and go or waiting in line and listening to conversations. And I noticed that I felt that people were a little bit more hostile uh, or militaristic in regards to their opinion. I'm going to break out in gunfire right there at the come and go, you know. And they said, you know what he said? I said, he goes, yes, people are more hostile because they're frantic, they're frenetic, and they're fearful. And they're overwhelmed with worry. In the Bible, we'll see that in our text where it talks about be anxious for nothing. That word anxious means to be choked or to be strangled. And we see that happening in our world. People are living choked out lives full of worry. And the church now, this is our time. This is our opportunity to go out as people of peace and see God work in miraculous and amazing ways. And Sock River is poised and ready to do that. Now, I'm going to read this text, and I'm going to talk and give you some ideas about how we can be those people of peace. How we can be that light in the dark world. How we can be that person that helps God bring those that are lost to salvation, those that were blind to see, those that were lost saved, that none should perish but all come to repentance, that all should know Jesus Christ and the wonder of His love, the church. This, so we're reading out of Philippians chapter 4, and this is a great letter to the church. It's got some great sections of Scripture in it. And I would say that some of you love verse 13 in chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? That's a great verse. But wait till I read a couple more of these. These are good too. So you got your copy of God's Word. Let's read this. Let's answer the question, how can we be people of, good, of the good news? I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Sintichi to agree with each other. That, that word there, to agree. Now, you might have to hold your finger on your spot. That means to have the same mind of or to be in harmony with. The Apostle Paul talks about it in chapter 2. He says, please be in harmony in the same mind, have the same mind as each other. What they, we'll talk about that here in a second. But anyway, have, ask them to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended. Underline that word contended if you don't mind writing in your Bible because we're coming back to it. Help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Did you know that uh, the book of life is mentioned eight times in the Bible? Seven times in the book of Revelation, only one time outside of that, right here and now. And that's why verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again. Rejoice, 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 something like that. Verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident. There's another key word there, so you might underline that one. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses, your Bible might say, all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that, those few verses right there, answer the question, how we can be the people of peace that God wants us to be, that God calls us to be. 
the people of peace in this worrisome, wearisome world that's so frantic and so frenetic and so fearful and so bent to beat people down rather than lift them up. But we can be those people of peace. In Christ, we're changed. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how to do it. Number one, you, I want you to listen to this. Your ministry, everybody is a minister. When you're saved, you serve. You serve Jesus in every aspect of your life. And each and every one of us share this same ministry. And it's the ministry of unity. In this text, you see the word contend. Remember I pointed that out to you as I was reading it? That content, word contend has a positive meaning and a negative meaning. The positive meaning is that we strive. Contending means to strive, to get everything you have, man. To leave nothing out on the field. To give everything up. To strive for united, common cause. We all together contend for the gospel of peace. We want to get the word out. I want my lost brother saved. I want my neighbor to have the joy of the Lord rather than being prowling his ground with the 12-gauge shotgun to kill anything that comes on it. I want there to be joy in people's hearts. Don't you? You want to see Jesus lifted up. We want to see, we want to see the stinking TV shows start talking about church attendance a little bit. They don't talk about that at all on TV. Watch it. Unless you're, I'm talking about the regular channels. You, okay. Your ministry is unity. The negative contend is, to, is a rivalry between people. It means to have a rival. Somebody that you're trying to beat. The Olympics are coming up. I can't wait. And I said this in the, in the 10 o'clock service. I hope it didn't make any of you cowboys mad at me because I, I, Jesus is a man's man. This is a man's church. I don't care. We, but I like figure skating. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that just blows my mind. But they're out there and they're, they don't like each other. They're rivaling against one another. They want to win. And here's what's happened in this church. Two people that have served and contended for the gospel together, now they're contending with one another. And there's disunity and disharmony in the church, and that's not uncommon. As I was pulpit supplying for five months after I retired in the end of July as a pastor, full-time pastor of the church, technically the founding pastor for over 22 years. And so as I was pulpit supplying, going to various churches, as I entered them, my heart would be heavy and weigh on me because I could, I could hear the talk and understand that these churches have been through trials and tests, and they're in a state of the result of disunity. Our ministry as followers of Christ is the ministry of unity. Now, how do we do it? Let me give you a couple ideas. Stephen Keller wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've tried to read that book a dozen times. It just wears me out. <laughs> so, so I just kind of got the high points, right? But there's a, there's a good uh, phrase in it. And this is something we, we want to get. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? It is to bring glory to God through transformed lives that bring glory to God through transformed lives that bring glory to God. Are you, you understand? That's the main thing. It ain't about my ministry. It ain't about me just getting second place with my lemon pie. You know, it's not about me being offended by whatever. It's about Jesus 
honored and glorified and served. Okay, so how do I, how do, I do this? How do I make sure that I'm serving the ministry of unity? Number one, confront the issue. There's an issue. You're good. You've dealt with them. A very wise pastor, when I was very, I call it being a young pastor, I started when I was 44. That gives some of you younger ones hope. But I went, and I would go around talking to various pastors and trying to get information on how to lead a church and, and get through some stuff. So I sought counsel, and I sought counsel from this one pastor. And he said, Mark, confront the issue, or the issue will confront you. Don't be chicken. No, I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. Get over it. Confront it or it's going to confront you. you. Try to sweep it under the rug, you're just going to trip over that bulge. And, you know, I said this in the last service. They didn't get it, but, you know, never mind. I'm not going to say it. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm risking enough as it is today. Number, another one. Be an intentional reconciler. Let me say that again. Be an intentional reconciler. You may not know this, but our ministry, it's written in the Scriptures, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, our ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. The word reconcile means to be friends again. We want to reconcile with people with God. We want them to come to God and know Him and be a friend of God. Have you ever heard that song, I'm a friend of God? It repeats itself over and over and over. But and there people go like this, anyway... Uh, the Bible says this, if it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You be an intentional reconciler. Confront the issue. And let me ask, add a couple of things here. How to do that. Number one, obey God. Obey His Word. Jesus had just finished washing the feet of the disciples. This is found in John 13. And... He was, they were leaving to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he came out and he said, a new command I give you. Now, he's talking to his followers. If you're a follower, this is a command to you. Follower means you've placed your faith in Jesus. You've asked for forgiveness and he's changed you. I'll talk about that in a minute. New command I give you, love one another. I love this part. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the, so now how do, I, how do I love those that are cantankerous and hard to get along with? Or how do I love those that offended me or, made me or hurt me? All I can say is this. Proverbs 21, 23 is going to be my, my text to help us with this. But I, you know, the second service, 10 o'clock, they're really, they're working with me. The first, 8.30, I might have to get on them a little bit. But I'm just wondering about 11.30. Will you, I'm going to invite you to participate with me. I talked about that. So would you all mind to raise your right hand? Now, I'm going to keep it up till I get you. Would you all mind to raise your right hand? No? Yeah? Okay, be that way. Now take it and put it over your mouth. There goes 90% of your problems. <laughs> Listen, Proverbs 21, 23. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. That's the scripture. 
So what do I do? I think. My dad used to try to get that through my head. What were you thinking? I wasn't. That's right. Anybody, you know, you've, you've been down that road. But we want to take time to think. I'm still working on this, but there's a wonderful acrostic. I didn't make it up. It's been around for years. It's an acrostic. Each letter of think has a word. Okay? The T is, is it true? What I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to deal with, I'm confronting the issue. Is it true? So I'm going to research it. I'm going to find out. And I may have to look in the mirror and say, did you do it? I said this last week. Yeah, you're good looking, but did you do it? Some guy after church came down and said, you look like Robert Duvall. I take that as a compliment. Now I feel more comfortable wearing a cowboy hat pretty soon. Watch out. He's a kid. And he's a tough old hombre, too. I'll tell you what. So is it true? H is, is it helpful? Is it going to be helpful to them? That's the idea of building up rather than tearing down. I tell you what, so many people that are lost, that don't have church homes, they've been, they've been torn down. They might have been torn down in their family, derided, belittled. Nobody's ever helped them. So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Listen to this. People will forget the words you spoke to them long after you've spoke the words. They're going to forget it. But they'll never forget how you made them feel. Did you encourage them? Encouragement strengthens. Inspire them with hope. The hope that you have. True, helpful, inspiring. Uh, let's see. T-H-I-N. Is it necessary? There again, the N. Is it, do I really? Is this something I really need to address? Or I'm just doing it because I'm prideful and I want my way. Or can I just back off and let them go? Is it necessary for me to involve myself in this? Think about it. Pray about it. Is it necessary for me to respond? Sometimes the best response is to let their words ring in the air so they can hear what they said. Try it. Sometimes those words will ring hard and they'll come to the truth. It's going to blow. Let's see, I've got one more, don't I? Is it? What, what is it? What's, what's it stand for? You knew that. I think kindness is so important. It's a gift of the Spirit. I think it's so, because we're, we're, and you know, I don't need to embellish upon that much more, but just being kind. Your ministry is unity. And I've just given you some real good application. If we all practice it, then when people come in to the Sock River Cowboy Church, they're, and they hear that singing, that singing I heard today, oh, mercy. They're going to say, oh, there's something going on here. But not four services. You're going to kill your pastor that way. Scott, I don't know. Well, I guess we could tag team, but it won't be the same service or a sermon. Okay, so the second idea in this text that's found about being a, per, a people of peace, the first one was, your ministry is unity. The second idea and I see in this text is your change is a testimony. Your change of how Jesus has changed you when you asked Him to come into your heart. Your change is going to be a testimony. It's going to be evidence that you're saved. Down south, and of course we're kind of down south here. And by the way, I had kinfolk that 
uh, years ago that settled in North Arkansas. Don't hold that against me. But I also had a relative, uh, Robert Hendershot, that served in the Civil War. And he was a northerner. So I've got them both. Anyway, so what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, testimony. Okay, anyway. I want to talk. Let's if, look at your scriptures here. Verse 4, the testimony that we have. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Why? Because of what we just said earlier. Your name is written in the book of life. Rejoice in that. My name, I am saved. When Jesus opens up that book and that's day of judgment, I have no fear. I have joy because I know my name's in that book. Oh, friend, I want your name to be in that book too. Eternal security and certainty, not only that I will be with the Lord forever, but that He is near now. But there's something else that brings me great joy. You, if you're around me for very long, you know that I really loved my mom. I wasn't a mama's boy either, but I really loved her very, very much. Because she had a tough de- hand dealt to her. And she, she raised four kids. And I see when I die, and I know Jesus is going to take me home to my mansion. I would prefer the cabin, but he can take me to the mansion. But I'm not going to cry about it. But I, I close my eyes. and I, oh, I see this picture. I do it all the time. I, and I see down there... Down the hill, just a little ways, is a stream. It's a really nice curving ramp. And I see grass waving. I don't see any bluebirds or anything. But I see a big old oak tree. And it's healthy. And then under that tree, I see a, I see a picnic table. I see a bunch of people. And I'm off. But I, I see my mom going, Mark. I see that big old smile of hers. We're down here, Mark. We're down here. Come and see Jesus. He's down here. That's what I see. That brings, me, that brings me gladness. That brings me joy. My name's in the book of life. Rejoice. Let your change be evident. Let it be a testimony that you are so glad about your Savior and your salvation. Then it talks about gentleness here. And I want to talk about this because Jesus was not namby-pamby, wimpy. Uh-uh. He knew how to make a whip and he knew how to use it. And by the way, Christians aren't to be door stops or doormats or pushovers either. We stand firm in the battle. We trust in the Lord. We don't cower down and run. We stand firm. Because we know who our Savior is. The Lord is near. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's coming back on a white horse. Yeah, and, and He's bringing all of the angels with Him. And there's going to be victory. Let your evidence or your gentleness be evident. What is gentleness? though? I, I thought about this and I came up with this idea. I went to SMS. Then they changed it to SMSU. Then they changed it to Missouri State. I would say I wanted Missouri State a long time ago because I would have bought one of their T-shirts. But, yeah. But they, anybody remember the old library? The old library there? Had automatic one or two, yeah. So date ourselves. Class of 77 right here. Yeah. Anyway, the old library had these automatic doors when you enter. And the door said on it, push gently. It's really, push it again. (laughs) Gentle pushing. And gentleness 
We, go, we have to push our way through lives, friends. Sometimes you've got to push yourself out of bed. You've got, you got to go one step after another. You've got to fight the stinking traffic. You've got the road ragers all around you. And you're pushing through the best you can. And God just wants us to push through gently as we go through patient with people. Gentleness really is willingness to listen to someone all the way until they're done. Stop talking. Instead of interrupting. How do you feel about being interrupted? Gentleness is being patient. Instead of jumping in and doing it. Right, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. No. Just stand back. Gentle how you push. Gentle. We live in a world of gravity. Man, try to figure that out. You dropped six inches at my age, you're going to have to be wind up in the hospital with a cast. Gravity's powerful. We're pushing through. Push gently. Your change is a testimony in how you go through life, how you push. There's another thing about your change, prayerfulness. In this scripture here, here, you see it. If you look at your Bibles, I want to refer you back to this one more time. Where it says, be anxious about any, do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious means to be choked or strangled. That's a horrible thing. The last time I had, ever had that feeling, I was wrestling with my brother Rick. He's 17 months older than me, and I'm a little bit bigger than him, but he can still whip me. I think it's a mental thing. But, you know, my mom had one rule when we were fighting. No hitting in the back. Everything else was legal. Do you ever know what it's like to be strangled, choked out? That's, he says, don't be in that state. About Don't let anything do that to you. But in everything, this is a constant prayer. By prayer and petition. Your Bible might use the word supplication there. But it's still a form of prayer. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I talked about this. Instead of us living lives where we're wringing our hands. Oh, woe is me. Oh, no. And I know that there are some people here that, matter of fact, they think they have the spiritual gift of worry. It, you know, and... But we, how do we break out of that? Because it's in our heritage. My, you know, my mom was a warrior. My grandma was a warrior. So I just take on that heritage. No. We don't want to worry or be anxious about anything. But in everything we pray. Now, how do we do it? I want to encourage you to use the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer as a template. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. And it talks about prayer and what supplication, prayer of supplication or petition is. And if I go to the Lord's Prayer, watch. Our Father. Uh, unity. Uh, community. Our Father. Uh, shared. Because of, uh, we have this Father because of Jesus. Our Father, which art in heaven. Ah, uh, wow. I'm going there. Uh, so I, 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 now this is prayer. This is prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Oh, ah, uh, his holiness, his wondrous, his goodness. So I've been praying. I've been praying, but I haven't asked for anything yet. And this is when we start petitioning. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, name. thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, Lord, please come now. Please come now. Please come now. That's petition. That's supplication. You're asking. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Petition. Forgive us our trespasses. Petition. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Petition. Confession. Lead us not into temptation. Petition. But deliver us from evil. Petition. 
For thine is the... We're going to do two forevers. For thine is the... Amen. That's how we Methodists did it. I was a Methodist till I was eight. Then we stopped going to church. But that's another story. So I asked this question as I was preparing this message. I didn't pull this out of my file cabinet. This is something God gave me for the church in general. That he wants us to be people of peace this coming year. So we can prove through our testimony that Jesus is alive and well. And that we have a church that's in unity, that's serving and fulfilling our ministry. But that's my question. Jesus says that my Father knows what I need. Since He knows already, why should I pray? That question's been asked a lot of times. C.S. Lewis was an author. Has anybody ever heard of him? I think he did the Narnia thing, right? Yeah. And he, I, so I found a couple of quotes from him that I thought were very good. Here's the first quote. You might as well ask me while I breathe. For prayer to the soul is as necessary as breathing to the body. Now this one I liked. Listen to this. Because your change is a testimony. How do you change? I pray because I can't help myself. Because the Bible says pray all the time, right? I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. Change is your testimony, and you get changed when you see, seek God. I experienced firsthand this peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I see a sentinel, uh, uh, some type of military person guarding me. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him. I've got God guarding me with my mind and my heart. With his peace. And I've experienced this. Do I am I at peace all the time? No, ask Sandy. Sometimes I get stressed and strained and I gotta come back. Right? I've got to reel reel myself back in. But back in oh, I say it was nineteen ninety one, ninety or so, two. I'd been with the news leader for ten or twelve years, finally worked my way up the ladder in the union, because we were a union shop and I was a union man. And we were going at it with the management. And having some really, they really wanted to bust the union. They did finally break it in 94. That's the year I jumped over to the dark side of management. <laughs> That's on the internet, isn't it? Hi. <laughs> True story. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Anyway, so I was the, the chairman of the scale committee, that means I was the leader of our, of the union, meeting with the management. And I will, I'm here to tell you that management was really attacking me. I didn't tell my wife, but I was, my job, I felt, was in jeopardy after 12 years there. And I was the sole breadwinner. I was working two jobs, actually. I was also delivering mail for the post office. I was working two jobs because I wanted my wife to be able to stay home and raise kids. And she did a wonderful job at it. I love you for it. That's my wife right there, Sandy. Raise your hand. But anyway, so at that time, I just started going to Ridgecrest Baptist Church. I'd just been baptized. And I had asked Pastor Hosey Blue, I said, what am I, after I got baptized, I said, what do I do now? And he patted me on the chest. He goes, darken the doors of the church every time it's open. Huh? That's all? I could do that. So... I, <laughs> So I, went, I was at Sunday church, and he preached a message 
on praying for your enemies while I'm in the midst of this union debacle. Because I hated my enemy. I, I really did. I hated that guy because he was out after my job. And it was, he was making it hard on me. But here I, I took him to the throne room. You know, the Bible talks about the throne room in, in Hebrews chapter 4. Come before the, the throne of God. And so I'm coming and I'm bringing this guy with me. God, I'm here and I'm, I've got... Yeah. You know what's going on, God. This guy, he needs to be straightened out. I may not have said that. But... So I was praying for him all week, and then I got to, uh, we, I, there's no rail here, but I've demonstrated it in the other service how we, we pressmen would sit on the rail when things were running good. We're sitting on the rail, man, press running good. He comes out of the office storming out like this, and he's got his piece of paper, he's hand-meeting all these jobs, and he's being really short with me. He comes around the band, I jump off the rail, and all of a sudden, this warmth comes over me. And it's the peace of God like I've never experienced. I was not nervous. I wasn't worried. I wasn't scared. I wasn't concerned. I was at peace. And I saw him differently. I saw him differently. I can't say I loved him. But anyway, long story short, the, we got a raise. He got fired. And everybody lived happily ever after. Here's, here's the conclusion, and I've done really well today with this and my time constraints. I'm, I'm molded in 35-minute sermons. That's usually what I do for the last 20-some years, but uh, I'm, down, I'm getting her down at 25 and 30, so I'm doing better. I do really like the Cowboy Church, Sock River Cowboy Church. I like it very much. I'm not just buttering you up. You guys were singing really nice today, and that's a sign of good health. What I want to know, or you'd ask yourself, is your name in the book? Oh, I hope it is. If you need somebody to talk to after church, uh, Larry Whiteley. Larry Whiteley is right down over there, and myself and Jeff. Anybody. Here's two challenges. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. This is our time. Fulfill it. Unity. Reveal your testimony. People need to see Jesus. Shine for Him. Let's pray. Lord, we come before the wonderful throne room of the Heavenly Father. We approach it boldly, but humbly. We think of your grace and your goodness and your kindness, but also of your justice and your righteousness. I thank you for this ministry here at Sock River Cowboy Church. I see great things happening. I see strength. I see hope. I see faith. I thank you for the leaders and all those that serve here. And I thank you for each person that's here today. I pray for them. I ask you to strengthen them. Use them in a mighty way this week. Father, let them know how much you love them and how much you can count on them to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen.